0: Welcome to the Hope Hotline podcast. I am so glad to be with you today for an hour, and we are going to get started on our first question. So the first one is, Pastor Tom says that you guys do not fight. How do you do that with two strong personalities? Well, that is a very, very good question because we definitely are two very strong personalities, Um, but we have a very biblical home. So because of that, that truly has helped us in keeping everything in its proper order. We've been married for a very long time. We've been married for 26 years, uh, three years of dating prior to that. FYI, no hands in bad places. We lived a very biblical dating life as well. Um, So we uh, were pure when we got married. Uh, I was, uh, let's see, almost 29 when we got married. We started dating when uh, I was 25. He is one year younger than me. He likes to say that he's way younger than me. But the truth is, he is only a year and maybe a few months younger than me. And he was 24 when we met. So uh, we were older. We kind of knew what we were looking for. We kind of found ourselves. um, He was, uh, I would say, uh, let's see. I was the mature one in the relationship. He was not. He was like dating a high school boy when we first started. And he would tell you that's true. Uh, Men, mature, far less at a slower rate than women but at any rate um we didn't do a lot of fighting we like i said we got married much older uh so uh it helped us as far as like knowing what to fight over what not to fight over and uh we probably in the dating time we probably gotten hmm, maybe one or two arguments as far as like true fights he broke up with me three times but that wasn't over fighting that was over Went to date other girls and then over a sandwich. But I digress, we won't talk about those things. Um, So uh, in the time that we've been married, we've probably fought a total of five times. That doesn't mean that we haven't had disagreements. We have, but we never like, even when we disagree, it's not a big deal. Uh, We usually laugh it off um, or we just take time to cool off a little bit and then we we come back we are very careful with our words and the reason th- that is is because you can't take words back and um, they the, the life and death is held in the tongue so if you want to destroy your marriage if you want to have uh, bigger problems then don't use your words wisely because I can guarantee you that you can destroy somebody's soul and spirit by the words that you use against them or towards them. So, like I said, we were married when we were older. It's funny because um, the building that we're in, no, 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 the other building we were in, this happened about three years ago, maybe four tops. There was a woman that we knew when we dated from our old church. We met at, at a church, a local church, and it was a Church of God, and we met there and she watched us date for the whole entire three marriage, uh, three years and then um, she actually attended our wedding and uh, this lady I, I I really like, I think she's still alive today. Um, I, I like her a lot. Um, what I love about this woman is not, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if a lot of women do love this woman um, because she's kinda like me. Uh, she's She always says what she thinks. She's very nice, she'll do anything for you for the most part but She's just a very straightforward personality. Well, um, she came and visited our church um, just a few few years ago, and one of the things she said to us as she walked out the door is that she was surprised that Tom and I were still married. And I was like, like I thought when we got married, the, the birds were singing. Everybody thought, oh, my gosh, like this is the best union ever. Like no one's more compatible than these two, right? No. She was thinking they're probably not going to make it past a year. And one of the reasons why is she said both of us and our strong personalities, She's she always thought they're probably never going to make it because one of the other is never going to give in and will constantly fight and, and argue, and that will be the the ends of the whole entire thing. Um, so she, I was pretty surprised when she said it, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I could kind of see her point because uh, – we both are very strong personalities. And if our marriage was not biblical, uh, then there would probably be major issues with the kinds of people that we are. But be, because um, he's, he, it says, the Bible says, submit to one another. And both of us do submit to each other. We are both very good to each other um, and listen to each other's thoughts and opinions. Um, respectfully, for the most part, we do it all. Consistently, but the other thing is at the end of the day, he's the priest of the home. So if a decision has to be made, he always 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 listens to what my opinion is Um, and he takes it into strong consideration, but if he does not think that's the way that we should go and this hardly ever happens, but it does happen if he believes that we should go in a different direction. Then I submit to that authority, and then we walk out his decision together. And I do it with uh, a joyful, grateful heart, not one that is a rebellious or divisive. Um, so that's, that's huge, and that's one of the reasons why we don't fight. But the other reason is is because we pick our battles. Most everything is not worth fighting over. There's just not a lot in this, in this life that um, you've chosen this person because you said outside of God, outside of the Trinity, I love this person the most on this earth. There's no one else I'd rather be with and spend the rest of my life with than this person. The thing is, is you, can choose, you can't pick your family. You're stuck with them for the rest of your life, whether you want it or not. That's just the facts. But you do get to choose who you're going to be married to and spend the rest of your life with friends will come and go but the person you marry you're stuck with um outside of adultery um, or abandonment so um pick wisely and always pray and make sure that that's the one god has for you just don't go based on we're in love he's hot or she's hot i can't wait Uh, you know lustful thoughts i can't wait for the wedding night kind of thing um all of that fades away marry your best friend don't marry somebody you can't live without. Marry somebody you um, want to live with. You know, a lot of times people are always like, I can't live without this person. All of us can live without somebody. We want to have somebody that we, we can't, we don't want to live without. Um, and life would not be the same without. So always marry your best friend. And if that's the case, then you don't want to fight. You don't want to argue. It's a miserable existence. People say, oh, marriage is hard. Marriage is not hard. It's not hard when you choose the one that God has designed you to live with. And then you die to yourself on a daily basis and you take that person into consideration over yourself. Um, Marriage is not hard at all. It's actually quite easy. Um, I dated Tom pretty much because he was hilarious, not because he was good looking, because he really wasn't when I first started dating him. Um, He was. He's big. He's a big dude and his eyes were squinty because his face was so heavy and, uh, well, so fat. And so, like, he was not attracted to me. His hair needed help. His clothing was not good. He had no style whatsoever, but he was hilarious. So I went and I had come back to the Lord and gotten saved again because I had walked away and I decided, you know what? I'm not going to marry this guy, but he's super funny. And I've dated a lot of all other types, so let's go with big and funny. I never dated that before. So then he lost all this weight. He got hot. That doesn't mean turn down the heat, just so you know. That was a key word. <laughs> Our keyword for um, turning the heat down because it's flipping freezing in where we're at right now was the word hot. I didn't mean that. He was very good looking. Uh, then I started chasing him. It worked out in my favor, but we laugh a lot. We, we laugh a lot in my house. Um, my husband is hilarious. Then my son is, like, he is very funny. My daughter, who doesn't think she's funny, that's when she's the funniest. So we laugh a lot in our house. And uh, we take life seriously to a certain extent. We take sin seriously. But outside of that, we enjoy life and we have lots of fun. But I would tell you, pick the one Uh, or find somebody who you laugh with who's your best friend and uh, you won't fight a lot you won't want to fight you'll you'll look at those times as miserable and you'll run the opposite direction from them so that you have a daily life of laughter and joy and um, that's huge so that's that on that question question number two why was Rahab blessed even though she lied that is a excellent question. Excellent question. Um, let's look at Joshua. Uh, let's look at scripture first. Let's look at Joshua chapter 2, 1 verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to read from the American Standard um, so that it's a little bit easier for everybody to understand um, in, in some cases. Uh, I, most of the time I'm going to stick to New King James every now and then I'll go to the Amplified um, and then something else um, but it says in the scripture then Joshua the son of Nun sent two men as by secretly from Shinnom um, saying go view the land why I'm reading this to you is that we have a lot of people who don't even know who Rahab is so I want everybody to understand where we're at and uh, what we're talking about before I explain the question. Okay, so let's just let me go back. So, Rahab was a prostitute who helped two spies, Israel, uh, Israelite spies, um, when they were trying, they have exited out of Egypt. They've been wandering uh, 40 years in the wilderness, and now it's time to take the promised land. Okay, so Joshua sent out two spies. And so Rahab assisted these two spies um, in, in like spying out the land to make sure what the situation was. Okay, so here we go. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shennam saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and rested there. Now Rahab's house was on the outer side of the wall. Okay, so it's not like they went inside the gates. They, it was easy for them to get to her because her wall or her house was on the outer wall of Jericho. But it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to spy out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to spy out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. It came out. uh, It it came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. And and it says, I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly for you will um, overtake them. So that is what she said. That's a lie because but she had brought them up to the roof. So she brought the spies to the roof. And had hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan to the crossing places. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone, they shut the gate. So they're up on the roof. And then the men pursuing them that the king had sent out go out, listen to her. And they start chasing um, and looking for these men um, or looking for the two spies on the road to Jordan. Okay. Okay so she lied to protect the two spies there's reasons for that um and we're going to go into that a little bit of detail but she lied to protect them but the reason she lied to protect them is because she was getting revelation the people of jericho realized that their god our god was the true god and they feared for their lives because they had seen what had taken place when they had crossed out or had heard stories if they if some of them weren't still alive um, as children and had grown up for 40 years listening to the stories of how um, the Israelites had been um, taken out of Egypt, um, Pharaoh chased them, the Red Sea was parted and then closed in on Pharaoh and the men chasing them, the soldiers. They had all heard the stories of this. So they knew God was real. It had been passed down and passed down and passed down through generation um, for the 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness, the Israelites did. So the people of Jericho, they were afraid when they found out that two spies were checking them out. Um, So she was no dummy. But let's also look at time of war. Okay, in times of war, we know lying is a sin. Well, murder is a sin too. All right, they're both in the Ten Commandments, lying and murder are sin. Times of war, though, there is lying and there's times of murder. And God has in, in um, like there have been wars where where the Israelites were killing um, their opponents, like the Amorites and, and things like that. The people are not held to account for the murders of the people that they killed. Correct right so and i would say in, in 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 the same way line would be held to the same standard um i know that sounds somewhat hypocritical but you have to use the examples of that are biblical so if murders sin, then god would not allow the israelites to go in and conquer and then tell in many cases he told them when you go into a land kill everybody kill everybody from the livestock to the king that meant women children men everybody he told them to kill everybody but the Ten Commandments clearly say do not murder why would God do that because there are circumstances where it is called for and it is not considered sin it's crazy but wartime would be one of those times and it's not very often that that an exception is made to the rule but in this case it is And also, let's look at this. She was praised as a woman of faith. She was not praised for being a truth teller, correct? So um, Hebrews 11 is a chapter called the people of faith. So in Hebrews 31, it says, By faith the prostitute Rahab did not perish along with those who who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. So what happens with her is the whole Jericho is conquered. They're taken over and the only people who are saved are the people who live in Rahab's house. That's it. And so if you wanted to be saved and you were a family member of her, you were to gather into her room, into her home and stay there until the place had been conquered. So her family was saved. Let's also remember she was not a Jew. So the 10 commandments do not apply to her. It's kind of like people who are um, not saved. They don't abide by the rules that the Bible applies to us because they're sinners. They don't know, they don't know that they're sinning. A lot of times, like when I walked away from God, I was doing things that I shouldn't have. But believe me, I wasn't thinking about what the Bible was telling me. And in some cases, the further away that you go, the more you just, you don't care about what the Bible says. It's not even something that comes to your memory. It's just, you're living your life, everybody's doing it, so it's okay. Even though it's not, Um, sinners, it's like lying for a sinner is like nothing. It's a part of your life. It's what you do. It's, you have to do it to, to like protect yourself. Um, if your boss comes in and says, why are you late? Your natural instinct is to say traffic when really you were late because you got out of your apartment or your house too late. Um, you, you were busy doing other things or you got up too late. And so you blame it on traffic. It's self-preservation believers know because of the conviction of the holy spirit okay if you're late because you were late because of you you don't lie about traffic now a lot of christians do lie it's like second nature for them it should not be because it's a sin Um, and if you continue on with it the word is very clear that you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven but it is second nature for the unbeliever all the time she was not of the Jewish faith the Ten Commandments did not apply to her because she wasn't a Jewish person and she didn't really probably even know about it um, but the truth is, is she did be she did become a believer she did recognize God as her God after because she told the, the ten spies this is what she said in uh, Joshua 2 8 through 11 she knew who the true God was she says now before the spies laid down She came up to them on the roof and said to to the men. So this is what she said before she sent them out. She goes, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And all the inhabitants of the land have despaired because have despaired because of you. So everybody's afraid because of you and your people, he says, and, and what they can potentially do because of. Their God it says for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you and when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Shaihan and Og whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard these reports our hearts melted and no courage remained in anyone any longer because of you for the Lord your God he is God in heaven above and on earth below. So she was spared she recognized who God was. She helped save the two spies, and because of that, she and inher- she um, earned an inheritance uh, that not only spared her family, and she got to live in Jericho with the Israelites, she became one of them through, this is crazy, but she's in Matthew, her name is in Matthew, and she's in the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, because of what she did for the Israelite people and we're going to go to that but her actions proved her faith she did not obey her king she she betrayed her own people because she knew who God was and who he was to the Israelite people she did not turn in the spies she's been praised for her faith she was not praised for her lying she was only praised for her faith and lying is a sin. It says in Revelation one eight. but the cowardly, unbelieving, and let, let's th- remember this, it's clear, the cowardly, but the cowardly, people think that um, not standing up for things sometimes is the best way to go, uh, go along to get along. The cowardly will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So if you have made poor decisions because you were scared, of the results of those decisions you need to be bold as a lion because the cowardly will not inherit the the kingdom of heaven and the um and the thing is is you will become weaker and weaker and weaker the more cowardly you become you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven because the facts remain if you can't stand up for your faith stand up for what the word of god says when real tough times come and they will come you will be a coward And um, it could be the balance of eternal life for you in heaven or hell. And that's a serious, serious thing to contemplate. It says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. My husband says this all the time. It doesn't say all murderers, all sexually immoral, all sorcerers, it doesn't say all that. It says all liars. There's a reason why that is prefaced all liars because lying is a big deal if you are a christian or call yourself a christian and lying is a part of your lifestyle then you need to really seriously say am i saved because it says if you live like this you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven in galatians and ephesians it says that if you live like this you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven so it's a difference between living like something and struggling with something okay struggling with lying is way different than saying it's a lifestyle for me if i get in a situation i'm going to lie okay there that's where things change all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death lying is serious it is not something that is allowed and i will say that uh I don't know that Rahab really had much of a choice in not lying to save the uh, spies. That's why war is is different. But in those situations that are outside of that, lying is never acceptable. Matthew 1, 1 through 6. Let's look at the genealogy of Jesus and how big of a deal it was what she did. And the thing is, is we are no different. Rahab was a prostitute. She did not come from the greatest of backgrounds. And all of us, to some extent, have a past. Some of us are like my sister, um, who is my baby sister. She she hardly ever did anything wrong. I have an older sister. um, Then it's me. Then I have a brother. And then I have a younger sister. My baby sister, for the most part, was like, I always say i was i was as pure as the driven on snow and she was as pure as the snow she was very good girl um but there's a lot of people like me who your past holds you up and so you think how can god use me because of of my past and i would say to you well what that didn't hold rahab back rahab didn't and there's plenty of other women and men in the bible who have done um, like Paul, Paul murdered and, or participated in murders or called out murders on people, and it didn't hold him back to being the one of the. Uh, well, I would say he won the most people in the New Testament to to Jesus. He was our biggest evangelist, he was our biggest soul winner, and he wrote more books of the Bible. He did not let his past define him. So you and me cannot allow the same thing. If God can use a prostitute like Rahab, he can use us. Let that be an encouragement to you. It says the book, uh, Matthew 1, 1 through 6, says the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It says, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Peret, Perez and Zerah from, by Tamar, Perez begot Hezron, and Tamar, there's very few women ever mentioned in the Bible, Tamar is one of them in the gene, uh, genealogy, and Hezron begot Ram, Ram begot um, Amminadab. Amminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and here's where it gets good, Salmon begot Boaz, the same Boaz as Ruth and Boaz. The same uh, Ruth as Ruth, the book of Ruth, with Naomi. So Beaz, uh, Boaz was, uh, Boaz's mother was Rahab. So Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Her name is one of the names in Matthew with the genealogy of Jesus. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot king, uh, David the king. So if you look at this, rahab was david's grandmother so she was in the genealogy of kingship royalty and it said that jesus would be in the genealogy of royalty king david it goes all the way through so jesus is in the family genealogy of king david but it took rahab to make that happen what parts can we play in making major things happen in the christian world if we forget about our past um and move forward we don't lie and uh but we become people of faith and we walk those things out in excellence amen what can we do so whatever you've done in your past forget it that's what paul says we forget what we what our what our past is and we move forward to to the prize of the high calling. Amen. Everybody is usable. Question number three. It says I, I and this is hey, listen, I, I am about to I, I wrote this down, but it's specifically because it's what I'm saying. It says, I abbreviated this question, but here's the gist of what it is. It says, um, and I'm kind of like protecting the person that wrote this, even though they don't need protecting, but they'll know who I'm talking about. It says the area that I live in New York, we have to church hop. To find a church full of the fire and sound doctrine i tithe to the river where we get fed you're you're tithing to a great place and you, everybody should be very careful where they tithe and where their money goes to because um it's a big deal but that's another question for another time the church i attend nearby has closed for several reasons and shows videos should i attend a church with pansy christians that love jesus or stay home or just carry the fire and irritate everyone, uh, which is what I feel I do. Well, scripture is very clear that you're not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So we have to, we have to make sure that that scripture stays intact. Okay, so you are to make sure um, that you fellowship with other believers. Now what that looks like uh, can be very, very different. I will tell you, this is, m- this is me personally I would not go to a church that closed I would even though they probably have lovely people there and they love Jesus I, I wouldn't be going there I wouldn't go to a church where it shows videos of the pastor um, that's not my style I don't like that um, I'm not saying that there aren't good churches that do that but I'll be honest with you I don't know of any um, so for me that would be completely out I also would go with like-minded believers, where I'm not irritating them, where iron sharpens iron, because that is huge. Uh, If you feel like you're being an irritant, maybe, maybe you will have some influence on them. I doubt it. Um, I know that being the example is important, but for me, the connection would be iron sharpening iron, where I'm actually uh, going there and I have a a positive influence i have a ministry that i can provide um some people might like, like it every now and then but on the whole they embrace the ministry that god's called me to do and uh that i can be something that is of beneficial for the church that i attend instead of something that's a nagging gnat like that's a buzzing in the air and like People keep wanting to swat away. That's not for me. So I'm going to tell you, I would strongly suggest don't go. Okay, but I'm not telling you not to do church. But I am going to tell you, I even asked my husband about this question. So I have my opinion, and then I'm going to show you, tell you what his opinion is. So I would say you start a Bible study or you find A really good one where you guys uh, all believe the same thing. Then you're not forsaking the assembly of yourself. It didn't say you have to go to church. It says you have to come together. Okay, so... Either uh, so maybe you start a Bible study uh, and you, and you get your friends that you have that are like-minded and all of you guys feel like you're a fish out of water, um, that you have the same, maybe not necessarily all the same uh, strong political viewpoints because sometimes that makes it difficult. But biblical viewpoints are very close or people that attend are very open-minded, to maybe things that they don't know so that they can grow in areas that they should. So Bible study, that would be my plan for you. If that's not possible, um, because this is, we're we're, we're in tough times, like it is to be all on your own right now is not not something that's conducive uh, for anybody. Um, One of the reasons why we are to stay together and stick together and fellowship is, it says, as we see the day approaching, and the 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 thing is, is we do see that the times of of. End times are coming now what that looks like and how close that is. I don't know But I do believe that we are in the beginning of birthing pains And so how long does that last? I don't know. I mean my labor went on for over 24 hours And it says a, a, a day is like a thousand years and a, a thousand years is like a day. So like just depends I Who knows how long we have that things will be like this, but The more isolated you are, the harder it will be for you to be able to stand against some of these things that you might come up against. So I would make sure that I was around people who were like-minded and strong in their faith to be able to stand with you. Um, Tom said, move. (laughs) He said, get out. Um, He's very drastic, though, in some of his things. But he's like, if you can't find a good Bible study and you can't... um, if you can't create a Bible study or find a good Bible study, he said you need to move. And he's like, if you got give to the river, you need to move and, and come to where you're, you're being fed. And he's like, I know that sounds radical, but that's where we're at. He's like, radical times call for radical radical measures. And I do agree with him, for the most part, I do. But if you can stay where you're at and you have family and you can do a Bible study, he do that. And he even agreed. Um, so for that, I would say do that. I keep seeing my hair, I keep seeing my hair, my split ends are really bad. My hairdresser, who's my friend, I'm gonna get it from her. She's not gonna be real happy that my hair looks like this at all. The girls in the room are like, what are you, I'm not kidding you. (laughs) My hairdresser, I would give you her name but then everybody would bombard her. At some point I might do that. (laughs) Give her some good shout outs. She's a great hairdresser. I'm very picky. And it just so happens she's my friend so that helps too. But question number four. Enough about me and my hair, my bad hair. <laughs> it's gonna drive me crazy. I'm looking at, I'm not looking at the camera anymore. There's a camera, I mean, after the camera, there's a screen and I get, I get told not to look at that thing but I can't. I see my split ends really bad. It's driving me crazy. All right, for the guys that are watching, you're like, get on with it. I've had enough women you totally relate you get it you understand my plight you have compassion for me but even this might be too much for you too so let's go on to question number four uh i have been in this position not exactly but i know what this person's feeling so uh although my advice might help you out in a little bit it might not help you out right now so says i am struggling with my son he has the coolest room an eight-year-old can ever dream of, but at bedtime is the worst time of day for my husband and I. He has to take melatonin every night, and he won't sleep in his own room. I nursed him until he was two years old. I am sure that's where the problem began. To keep up my milk supply, it was skin to skin all day long. Okay, I ain't going to lie to you. That sounds flipping miserable. I nursed until uh, my Tommy was six months Um, And um, because of my milk supply, I went skiing. Tom talked me into going on a youth ski trip. Elevation does not go well if you're trying to breastfeed. So that did that in, and then normal was a year. But nursing to two years old, oh my, that would be rough. I applaud you. Um, And then uh, skin on skin, (laughs) I need my space. So, it says, I was never able to produce a sufficient amount of breast milk, and now he won't sleep alone. My husband and I need our bed back and are struggling to find alone time for the important thing and important things in a marriage. Wink, wink. Please help. Yeah, that's rough. I ain't gonna lie. Um, I had the same problem with Tommy, my oldest boy. He, uh, for about two years, uh, was very very fearful it had nothing to do like I said I didn't breastfeed him until he was six months I it had nothing to do with that and, and it might listen to be honest with you your son if I was to guess he's been not breastfeeding for six six years so it's very doubtful that that's his issue he might just be very attached from that but if I were to guess it's probably something underlying that's causing him to not want to be away from you guys and for Tommy his was fear uh he it wasn't even necessarily afraid of the dark it was just afraid of what could happen or nightmares or things like that so literally for probably two years we'd start out alone And then eventually he would come in and he would just be beside himself. Now, some of you are like, well, then just spank his butt and send him back to bed. I get it. And to some extent, that is true. Um, But Tom is a softie. Uh, If anybody's seen his podcast before, they probably don't think he's a softie. Like he watched a little bit of this podcast um, Sunday and he goes, where's the screaming? Because I don't scream. He does a lot of screaming. And this is funny. This is off topic. I'll get back to your question in one second. But like he used to coach football. Um, Heather, who's his assistant, her husband was one of his football players in high school. So he coached high school football. And literally, I would say to him, you have got to turn your back. Because when you're screaming at your football players, they all think you're cussing. People in the stands think you're cussing, which he doesn't cuss at all. They would think he was cussing because he was screaming and his face would be so, so red when he was yelling at him. So I'd be like your head but he's like even in those moments he would say I'm not mad it's just all an act to get them to, to respond to get them to do what I want them to do out there so I digress so he thought I'm chill too chill because I'm not screaming but Tommy Tom is a softie and so he couldn't put Tommy back to bed because he'd be so beside himself and it was fear but we knew he would grow out of it and we prayed consistently over it he and I not together necessarily. We prayed um, on our own for Tommy to grow out of it, but more importantly, to find out what was causing him the fear so that he could get beyond it. And when I say grow out of it, I don't mean over two years. I mean like grow beyond it. Um, so that's what we did. We began to pray. Um, we would see um, positive results. It became where he was in there less and less. He would revert back. We had to spiritually attack it every night it got to be where he didn't sleep in there anymore he didn't care to be in there and listen he it was right around the same age just so you know it wasn't like he was 12 and 13 or even five he was right in this age bracket um seven to nine i think it was somewhere in there that he had a very very difficult time being in his bedroom at night he started out on his own and he would end up with us right around midnight or one in the morning and we tried sending him back, but he was so beside himself. So we left it up to God. We left it to prayer. And it works. So I would strongly suggest to you, make it a matter of prayer, you and your husband. And then and, and even talk to your, your son about it, because that's what we did with Tommy. We would spend time talking to him about why was he afraid, walking him through it, praying with him, those kinds of things. If it's sheer defiance and disobedience to you, that's a whole other story, and that's when you do spank their butt and send them back to bed because, really, they want what they want and they are not going to be obedient to you. And what you're doing when you don't, uh, you don't give a punishment or you don't uh, treat the, the problem, all you're doing is allowing rebellion to breed, and it will get worse as they get older. They'll find out. Okay, well, no, there was no consequence for my action when I was disobedient here, or disobedient here. So what happens is it grows. The disobedience become bigger issues, um, uh, bigger things that they're disobedient in, um, and then the rebellion is stirred up. and And we're you need to be very careful about that because. Um, that's going to be a bigger problem when they get to be in their teens and things like that and then it's very hard to discipline them and make them mind and, uh, and you'll have to do it but it'll be even more difficult so i would say if it's fear or something along those lines address that with them love them through it pray with them um, if it's defiance and disobedience then strong discipline needs to be applied and um, do it with that um, it's healthy for your son It's healthy for your relationship with your husband, and um, it's not going to be easy, but you need to stand strong and work through either case. Um, But I will tell you, if it's fear, it'll go, well, either one, it'll go, it'll be resolved pretty darn quick, um, pretty darn quick if you start handling it quickly now. So, question number five is, should we read the books of the Bible that were removed from the book of Enoch? or remove like the book of Enoch. Um, I'm going to say no. And the reason I say no, you don't need to read those books um, that are not in the Bible is because most people have not mastered the Bible. You master the Bible, and then you can master the other books. Most people don't even have 10 scriptures that they have memorized or can even give you 10 different illustrations of in the word about a problem that someone may have and that you can go and say, like faith. If somebody came to you and had a question about faith, do you have f- five different ways of explaining how faith works by five different people or um, actions in the Bible that took place to be able to um, walk somebody through a faith issue? Probably not. Until you do, you don't need to. Um, I'm going to give you some really strong statistics that will prove my case. It says over 2 billion Christians in the world. Okay, so over 2 billion Christians in the world, less than 30% will ever read through the entire Bible. There's 8 billion people, okay, on the planet. And 2 billion Christians in the world, less than 30% will ever read through the entire Bible. That is a horrible statistic. Over 82% of Christians, um, Christian Americans, only read their Bibles on Sundays while they're in church. 82%. Pew Research indicates that only 25% of Americans now attend church any given Sunday, significantly down from 47% in 1990. So in 1990, we had 47% of Americans attending church. And now it's less than, uh, well, it says it's 25%. So out of 100%, if you have 100 people, 75 people are not going to church and 25 people are going to church. Those are horrible statistics, horrible. And then you take those that take that number and you keep going down, fewer people actually read the Bible. of American Christians believe other religions can lead to eternal life. 57 American Christians believe there's another way to heaven outside of Jesus. That is frightening. The word is very clear that there's no other way by which a man can come is but through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. To get to heaven there's no other way to have a relationship and is unless you ask the lord jesus christ into your life and to forgive you of your sins and to go to heaven that's it and 57 percent of american christians believe that there's another religion there are other religions that can lead to eternal life jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no one come but um, come to the father but through me how in the world do christians Fifty-seven percent of Christians believe that other religions can get them to heaven. We at one time, uh, right before um, this per, this this guy who was he was in leadership at our church. He held a pretty big position in our church, and um, it came to our um, it came to our, our how do you say it? it came to our attention that in front of us this person said all the right things. But on Facebook which we were not a part of Facebook so we didn't see it but on Facebook he was preaching a whole different um, theology and one of the theologies was is that Gandhi was saved Okay, Gandhi was never saved it doesn't show or indicate in any way that Gandhi was ever saved um, but that he was going to heaven um, and things like that now this person also became a person that believed that there was no such thing as hell anymore. Um, and, and, and what happens is is people start reading books about the Bible instead of the Bible. They no longer read. Um, they read from people that will translate the Bible for them and their interpretation of the Bible instead of reading the Bible and what it says. And that is a very dangerous thing. So people um, don't need to read the book of Enoch. They need to read the Bible. Um, It's super important. I'm going to continue going on. We laughed so hard before the podcast started. My face is itching and my nose is running. I'm not kidding you. We were crying laughing. So 2021, statistic says 11% of Christians read the Bible every day. In 2021, uh, this is called... um, stats are coming from a place called statistic. Um 11% of Christians read the Bible every day. So 11% is a very low percentage. Only 22% of Christians believe the Bible is fully inspired by God himself. So where do they think it came from? I think they think that the men just wrote it and they wrote down whatever they thought was good. But in the next podcast that question will be answered very thoroughly and how wrong that actually is because somebody had an excellent question that followed this one. It just so happened, I don't know, that's God, that shows that the Bible is truly uh, God-inspired. It has prophetically been played out and proven over and over and over again that it is the true word of God. Um, And so that's a very frightening thing that 22% of Christians believe that that um, the Bible is uh, fully inspired by God Himself. What do the other 20, what did the other percentage think? What is that? 80, 88%? No. Yeah. What's, what's 100 minus 22? Uh, 78, right? Is that 78? That's 78. Oh gosh. You know what? I got two homeschool mothers in here. I homeschooled my kid. That's frightening. So, yeah, 78. Thank you, Lord i got it and both of you are fired you're going to take your kids back to the public school system because you stink you shouldn't know that like that (laughs) they just told me i can teach them math okay they won't graduate if that's the case i had to get a tutor for my kids (laughs) math is not my subject yeah they would have not passed they wouldn't have gotten a high school degree if i taught them math frightening uh Let's see. Pew Research indicates that only 25 percent of Americans now attend church any given cent did I say that? I think I'm gonna, I did that. All right, so let me just ask the person that asked this question and everyone else that's uh, listening to that wonders the same thing. You know, can I read other books than the Bible? Can, is it good to or is it okay to read other books that were a part of the Bible um, um, I would say to you is, do you already read it daily? How much time do you spend in the Word on a daily basis? Okay. Do Do you know Scripture? If you were to have to win the lost, would you be able to tell them how to, to be saved? Um, so important. I mean, you need to understand Scripture to be able to explain how one becomes saved. Uh, you. Everybody should be a sole winner. Uh, if you don't know the bible you can't win the lost that's just the facts that takes knowing scripture that's kn- knows that means knowing the word because someone's listening that whenever you go up to somebody and they're not going to ask you all the same questions they're going to have all different questions and you need to know where in the word to go and find those answers so that you can prove um or give them an answer so that they can be won. if you can't find it and you don't know it yourself you need to sit down Start, uh, start checking it out and start knowing the word. Because seriously, the the goal is to win the lost and to disciple believers. That's why we're here, to win the to win the lost and disciple believers. The rest of the things that we apply and add to our life, those are added bonuses. They are not um, things that are like like a lot of people live in their Christian lives where they have their own agenda. And then they add God into wherever He fits in. That's not what it's all about. It's God's agenda, and then you get to add in when there's time left um, over time. You get to add in what you want to add in. That's how it should be, not the other way around. We are totally off as as uh, Christian believers on our perspective of what a Christian walk looks like that looks like um and we look like the rest of the world almost all of the time and if we would live like the bible says then we would be the city on a shine we would be a shining city on a hill and people would be drawn to us and then they would come to know us and then they would come to know him and then there would be a a reason right right now most of us uh, we live our lives like the world. There is no reason. No one has a reason to want to live like you because you live like them. There, there's no, like, you don't look like anybody else. Um, so people are not wanting what you have. Um, if you were out uh, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing the things that Jesus did because it says we are Christians, so that means we are Christ-like. If you looked like him, people would be running to you. They would want what you have. You would be different. And that would radically change their life. Um, and then you would just be keep multiplying. What was that, what was that uh, commercial back in the day where there would be a girl, she got her hair washed and then in, in all these squares, do you know what I'm talking about? I think it was, G. your hair looks terrific or something like that. And then, like, I'm going to pull, we're going to pull that up so that people can see it for this podcast. I'm going to have, we're going to find it, and then you're going to see it in two seconds. It was so good, I told two friends about it, and they told two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. And believe me, there's still nothing like the original Fabergé Organic. It gives me super shine, super body, and super fresh smelling hair. Try it, and you'll tell your friends about it. And they'll tell their friends, and so on, and so on. It, she just multiplied herself. Well, that's what we do as believers. What we're supposed to be doing is multiplying ourselves. Like that's our job to make, uh, to be a Christian to multiply and make other little Christians, and then we disciple. You have it. What is it? Gee, your hair smells terrific. Gee, your hair smells terrific. Nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> that's why everyone in this room does not know it. <laughs> because they weren't born (laughs) i was i was uh just shy of high school and gee her hair did look terrific we all bought that shampoo because it looked great but that's our job our job is to multiply ourselves and then disciple um people into becoming stronger in their walks with god they multiply themselves uh that's the goal the goal is to win the loss so that people do not go, go and die in hell that's the facts our job is to not be about ourselves to not strive for our own ambitions um, that is that actually it says seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you you'll get every desire that you actually want if you seek him first he'll add all of that those are like cherry that's like a cherry on top but if you follow his path and his design for you Watch out. You will never be happier. You won't be striving for earthly gain. You will actually have far more than you ever thought or could have imagined for yourself. But it will be pure. It will be good. Um, it will be exactly what God had for you. And you think your plans are good? You just wait and see. His plans far exceed anything you could ever hope or, uh, or want for yourself. I'm sitting in a room with like one, two three, four, five, six, six people, six girls. And I know all of them, but one really, really well. And I will tell you that all of them are doing far more in their lives now that they are totally giving them over to God and said, God might not my plan, your plan. What God has them doing right now, so, one is traveling the world, never, ever probably thought this, I mean, if you knew where she came from, you'd sit there and go, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. Traveling the world, seeing sights that only she could have dreamed about. And if she would have gone her route, she wouldn't be where she is. Uh, the two other girls, same exact thing. They may not be traveling the world, but they're doing ministry. Who knows? They might be traveling the world uh, relatively soon. But they're doing ministry like never before. They're doing things that they didn't even know how to do. And God is showing them how to do it. And uh, once producing this. Never produced ever in her life as far as something like this. Um, pro- produced commercials and things. But like God will take you places you never dreamt were even uh, possible if you allow him to take you there. So get rid of your plan. Get in the word. Study it out. Start winning the lost. Start discipling believers. Start living your life for him and see where he takes you um and then turn into the tune into the next podcast because the next podcast is going to even take this question to another level um but like i say i never want to close out um a podcast without giving someone a chance that doesn't know the lord because my podcast isn't specifically just for christians my podcast is for anyone and everyone that has any kind of question um whether you're saved or not saved and if you don't know If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I can only promise you, you have a void in your life that only he can fill. I've been there. Everyone in this room has been there. And uh, we live a much happier, joyful life because we have allowed him to become our Lord and Savior and to rule and reign in our lives and be all that he has called us to be. If you want to truly be happy and you really want to experience life for all that it has for you, the only way is to ask the Lord to be, um, if you repent of your sins, and ask the Lord to be uh, your Lord and Savior. And with that comes freedom, with that comes peace, with that comes comfort. Um, Things that you never thought you would experience or people that you thought would come your way. Once you make that decision and you truly live it out, sky's the limit. So if you don't know him, um, I just ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. Let's do it, and let let's see your your today change radically, um, and tomorrow will be brighter. In Jesus' name, we come to you right now, and Father, I ask that if there be anyone that is watching this that doesn't know you, I ask Father that they would they would come to know you, and it's simply by saying, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask that you be my Lord and Savior. I ask, Father, that from this day on, I will serve you, and I thank you for what you did on the cross. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Your day starts today. Your new life is better than you ever dreamt, and I'm excited for you. If you ask Jesus into your heart I, ask, I uh, with us, I ask that you would just let us know. We'll be praying with you. Uh, we'll be um, standing with you, and I'm excited for you. One other thing is I wanna talk about giving. Giving is huge. It'll radically change your life. A lot of people think, oh yeah, now you want my money. I don't want your money. You can send your money to anywhere you want to. It doesn't have to be Foundation Church. If you want to give to Foundation Church and help us with this podcast and the things that we're doing in the area, that's great. Right below me is where you can give. Otherwise, you can send it to two other places that we strongly encourage because I think that where you send your money is truly important. It, your investment and where you give will be uh, will help the return of what you'll get as well as I, mean, I I think that you don't give to a place that's not truly preaching the true word of God. Um, and I think, like, we give, the church personally gives, as well as myself and my husband, we give to Revival Today, which is Jonathan Sheldersworth and Adolis, and we also give to um, The River, which is Pastor Rodney Howard-Brown and uh, Adonica Howard-Brown, um, Pastor. Both all, everyone's pastors that I just mentioned. Um, and we've given, but we've never seen the return like we've received um by giving to these two ministries. They're doing mighty things for the Lord as well as Foundation Church. And I think that your return is, is, is really good when you're giving to the right places. But I will tell you this, uh, giving is truly important. And I just shared this uh, with our church uh, about a month and a half ago. It's something that I saw in the word I think is profound. Uh, a lot of times we think that we're being obedient with what God is telling us when it comes to giving and we limit ourselves Uh, Based on our understanding, but let us look at the scripture Ekey monkeys I forgot to write the scripture down But I will have it it's gonna be below right now so you can look it up Um, it says uh, It's in um, I believe it's in Mark or it's in John actually it's in John So I'll have the scripture below in two seconds. It said it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is Jesus. And the two ships standing by the lake, um, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So Jesus, the people are pressing in on him. So he normally would preach from a boat uh, because the voice would carry. And then he wouldn't be, people wouldn't be on him. And then everybody could hear what he's saying. So he sees Jesus sees two ships that are in the lake, and he sees the fishermen, are washing their nets, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon, which is Peter, and prayed um, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now Peter knew who he was because he had already seen him before previously, so he knew who Jesus was. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into deep and let down your nets for a draught. Okay, so. Uh, they had already been fishing, Fisher fishermen fished in the evenings, and then they would go in for the day, okay? So this is already daytime, they're washing their nets because they have been out fishing all night long. And Simon answering um, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Okay, now I want you to, what I said in verse 4 was, which we just read 5, it says, Now when he said, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Jesus said to Simon, Watch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Okay. But Peter said, I will let down the net. See, because of the night, he said that they caught nothing. He said, I'll let down the net. Jesus said, let down your nets. He had a preconceived idea based on his experience. Okay. We do not... The word is what we go by. We don't go by our experiences. Okay. And when they had done, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net. And their net broke. Okay. So the one net was breaking because so many fish were coming into it. And they beckoned unto the partners, which were in the other ship. So Peter starts calling out to the other fishermen, we need help. So they bring out the other boat and they that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. See, that's what we do. That's what we do as Christians. When we give, we have a preconceived idea of what um, God's going to do for us. But his ways are higher than our ways. And you can't go by what you believe. You've got to go by what the word says when when the word tells you to do something you do it and then you see the the results of your obedience if peter would have just let down the nets he would have not been ill prepared he would have been prepared for all that was coming in and his faith and what the, he doubted in what jesus was telling him so that's the reason why he only gave one net if he would have had faith and no doubting he would have let down the nets and Everything would have come in. He still, because he was obedient and because God is merciful and Jesus was graceful um, and gracious, he still had everything come in. So what I strongly encourage you is don't throw in one net. When you give, don't throw in one net. Believe for the full abundance of what the word says. And the full abundance of what the word says is whatever you give in this lifetime, you'll get a hundredfold back. So believe for that hundredfold. When you give, it says that you are to give with a joyful heart. Give with that joyful heart. You don't give so that you get, but the word is true. Jesus said, test me in this and know. And so he said, and this said, that's the only place in giving, Jesus said to test him in. So when you give, give with expectation. Know that a hundredfold is going to come back and be returned to you. And don't throw down one net. Throw down your nets and wait for the multitude of fish to come in. Amen. I'll see you next time. Real talk. Real talk.